Maybe a third of us in New Zealand are obese, according to official stats. You're overweight with a BMI above 25 and obese with 130 and above. Seven out of ten adults in counties Manukau are one or the other, according to a report submitted to Parliament's Health Select Committee. New Zealand has the third highest obesity rate in the OECD and it keeps getting worse. But you mightn't need to lose as much weight as you think if you're going on a diet and despair of being able to accomplish what we see in the before and after photos online. That's the message from Dr Nick Fuller, the Charles Perkins Centre Research Programme Leader at the University of Sydney. Under its auspices and with government funding, he's developed something called the Interval Weight Loss Programme, and he's published a series of books on it, including one aimed at women and the forthcoming book called The Whole Family Approach. There's an online programme which can be trialled for free, but our main reason for talking to Nick is to understand the concept behind it. Dr Nick Fuller, good morning. Hello, Jim. G'day from Australia. How are you? <laughs> very, very good here in New Zealand. Thanks for coming on. Look, just to start, I wonder if the proverbial elephant in the room now for weight loss programs isn't so much Ozempic, which we've been hearing a lot about, but the new weight loss jabs that are upping the ante that'll let, let you lose supposedly a quarter of your body weight using the diabetes medication to Zepatide. Or are we going to see with all this do you think side effects that are not trumpeted at the moment but that may become clearer down the track? It's certainly an interesting and emerging field. Uh, it's something that we do a lot of work in uh, at the University of Sydney and Royal Prince Alfred Hospital. I guess these medications that you're talking about are sort of just the tip of the iceberg in, in what seems to be an area about to explode. Why is it exploding? Because if we think about it... Um, everybody's after that that magic bullet, the quick fix. They want to lose the weight now. They want to shift those kilos instantly. Very few people are willing to stick to it and change habits gradually over time. But look, side effects aside, more importantly, the research is showing that once we come off these weight loss drugs, um, that are effective while you're on them, we regain the weight. And it's much like any other medication that we take for different um, conditions and diseases. They work while we're on them. You will re regain the weight when you come off them. And we've proven that now with randomized controlled trials. So this is the real um, challenge at hand. And the second thing is that you can't expect to take the drug uh, and, and, and leave everything else on the shelf what i mean by that is you've got to be making changes to your lifestyle you've got to be making gradual changes um, that stick over a lifetime and that's forming positive healthy habits it's the same with stomach stapling isn't it it's not like you get the treatment and can carry on your merry way with your current lifestyle you have to change your habits anyway so my inference is that you recommend the slower road towards habit change so it'll last yeah, look, Jim, that's a good point you make. And unfortunately, we don't tend to just put the weight back on that we lost. We tend to put on um, what we refer to as sort of a plus GST or a plus 10%. Um, your body's very good at shutting down, going into starvation mode and saying, hang on, uh, enough's enough. In order to survive and procreate, I need to actually claw back to my start weight um, and put on a little bit of extra fat to prepare for that next bout of starvation that's probably coming up around the corner. 
because typically uh, we are trying the four to five diets or weight loss programs every year. We're going back to the same things. And that's because we're getting weight loss and we're putting the weight back on. We think we didn't succeed due to a lack of uh, willpower, but really what's changing is your body's physiology. It's fighting that weight loss, sending you back to your your starting um, starting weight plus a little bit of extra. Quoting you, most sales pitches will suggest you need to lose substantial amounts of weight to be healthy, making weight loss seem an impossible task. But the research shows you don't need to lose a lot of weight to achieve health benefits. So, Nick, immediately, of course, we want to know how much. I mean, if I if I weigh 80 kgs and lose 4 kgs, which is 5% of my body weight, what benefits would I start to feel? Huge benefits. And you're going to have significant changes in your health. You're going to see a significant reduction in, in um, chances of developing heart disease or having a heart attack um, through reductions in cholesterol, uh, you're also going to significantly lower your risk of, of having a stroke through lowering your blood pressure. And it's not just limited to those sort of common markers that we test when we go to our general practitioner or healthcare provider, but you're also going to significantly, you know, reduce um, joint pain and, and risk of osteoarthritis. Um, and just a small amount of weight loss will also reduce your risk of developing type 2 diabetes, which is what we call the silent disease, because if it's not controlled and not looked after, um, it does result in serious ramifications like blindness and amputation. So the answer to the question is the most important thing is just to lose a small 5% amount of your weight, but importantly, follow evidence-based care from healthcare professionals, professionals that actually know what they're talking about so that you can do all you can and set yourself up for long-term success to prevent the weight regain that usually comes with diets. When you're losing weight, your body's changing its 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 functions, your physiology's changing, um, and, and this is what people need to understand. You're not failing due to a lack of willpower. You're actually failing due to your biology. I'll get back to starting points, if I may. And just to get back to those new jabs that we mentioned at the start, just for a second, the extra dimension here is... Uh, losing muscle as well as fat. I think I read a risk of pancreatitis and you've got to maintain protein in- intake and add resistance exercise to your routines and so on. So it's my point is it's more complicated even with the new wonder drugs or whatever you can take. It's always complicated. There are no easy fixes. You're right, Jim, and this is why it's important to be following you know, and, and, and seeing healthcare professionals while you're taking, um, and if you're taking these medications, um, some fascinating research has come from twins, which showed basically the twin um, that had been dieting over their lifetime compared to the twin that hadn't been dieting was always heavier. Uh, um, so obviously it's independent of genetic factors. Yeah, that's really interesting. Just to unpack slightly more what you were talking about earlier. So w- with blood pressure, for example, Every kilo of weight lost makes a difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, if you if you can lose just a clinically significant amount of weight, and that's typically around three kilos uh, of body weight, you will see your your total cholesterol go down. But you'll also see, importantly, your LDL or bad cholesterol levels go down. 
And that's the one that's um, lining the arteries and blocking them and clogging them over time. The one that if it continues to build up will result in a heart attack. And this brings back to that question you said about, you know, how when we do lose a, a lot of weight, we're often losing it from muscle and fat stores. Um, and this is what we need to be focusing on. When you lose weight, you want to lose it predominantly from fat stores. You don't want to lose muscle mass because muscle mass is the determining factor of how quickly your metabolic rate uh, or how much energy you burn at rest. So someone, you might have two people of the same weight, 100 kilos, but the person that has a higher muscle mass will burn more calories at rest and they'll have a better chance at keeping the weight off or managing their weight um, because muscle mass is, 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 is so important. So when you're losing weight, we don't want to just lose it from all over the body and we don't want to lose it from muscle and fat. We want to lose it predominantly from fat stores and we want to hold on to muscle. And this is where exercise comes into play. So I mentioned it briefly at the start, but any, uh, I guess, weight loss program that you're following should not just be focusing on, on diet. It should also be focusing on physical activity, exercise and sleep. Dr. Nick Fuller is with us, the Charles Perkins Centre Research Program Leader at the University of Sydney. Before we get to your own programs, uh, if we're prone to type 2 diabetes with fat around the tummy in particular, again, how much weight loss reduces the risk? Because this must, uh, I'm asking this because small weight losses must be a a real incentive, Uh, just a milestone that will actually produce results. Yes, absolutely. You don't need to be losing the, the the 10, 20, 50 kilos again that we fixate on based on a on a BMI calculator. And there's a fascinating large diabetes prevention trial that was completed a few years ago and showed that just 7% of weight loss for the people that were were participating in the program actually had a reduction in risk of developing type 2 diabetes by nearly 60%. So, you know, again, we're not talking huge amounts of weight loss, but we are talking about weight loss that's maintained and and kept off. We're not talking about weight loss that we lose 5, 10 kilos in a few weeks and then put it or stack it on back. I think I'm quoting you again. In one study, each kilogram of weight loss resulted in a fourfold decrease in the load exerted on the knee in each step taken during daily activities. That's quite startling because it bears out again what you're saying. If you lose a K or two or three, you're going to, your knees are going to thank you and you'll, uh, you'll know it because of the disappearance of pain. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And you will notice a significant reduction um, in the joint pain and also the huffing and puffing um, and exertion when you're going up stairs or you're participating in some physical activity or exercise. What is interval weight loss, please? Can you explain it for us? Yes. As a society, we we are getting heavier. More of us are moving from overweight to obesity, and that's because when we lose weight, our body goes into shutdown mode. The metabolism will lower, your appetite hormones will go up telling you to eat more, your thyroid function will be suppressed, meaning you burn less calories at rest. Now, all of these things mean that you're regaining the weight, and they're the very reason why you're not succeeding long-term on your weight loss journey, why you get weight loss followed by weight regain. And what we've found is that when we use an interval weight loss approach, now this is not to be confused with intermittent fasting, it has nothing to do with that. When you lose 
small amounts of weight every second month using this interval weight loss approach, you actually prevent the body's usual response to weight loss. So what it looks like visually for the listeners is a step-down pyramid. So it's sort of a couple of kilos of weight loss over the course of a month, followed by weight maintenance during the next month, followed by weight loss again during the third month, followed by weight maintenance again during the fourth month, and so on, until you reach your goal weight. And in randomized controlled trials, that allows a person to lose the 10 to 12 kilos um, over the course of a year. What when we typically see with diets, 10 to 12 kilos over, say, 12 weeks or three months, but then put on 13 to 14 kilos just as quick. So it's addressing, I guess, the the three key pillars of a lifestyle program, um, being diet, exercise and sleep, but it's also prescribing a weight loss methodology to prevent the usual response to weight loss. So you don't get weight loss followed by weight regain, so you remove the set point which makes people put weight on again after they've lost the weight. You do it gradually so the set point isn't uh, a big factor. Exactly. You're redefining your set point over time. If we're losing more than the two, when we start hitting, hitting the three kilos or 5% of weight loss, this is when our body starts to work differently. This is when our body does go into shutdown mode and it does start to you know, change its appetite, functioning, its, its metabolism, et cetera, et cetera. So we want to prevent that from coming into play, which is why we get a person to lose weight just gradually over time in small intervals of roughly two kilograms. Back tens of thousands of years ago, food was not available on every corner of every block. And our bodies learned to shut down during times of deprivation. In the modern day environment, food is on every corner of every block. We have a hard time saying no to it. And consequently, we're putting on about 0.5 to 1 kilo every year. We then look in the mirror after a few years, we've put the weight on and we start reacting. And this is what we need to stop doing um, because it's only increasing our problem um, and exponentially increasing our weight over time. I know there'll be people listening who think, yeah, I can do it for a week or two, you know, eat more healthily get more exercise, but one night I just have to break out the chocolate biscuits. You know, I'd, something actually compels me to interfere with diets like this. You say that foods found in their natural state can release the same pleasure response in the brain as processed food, uh, processed junk and fast food, and I presume sweet food. What foods are they? You are exactly right. And this is what we used to get our pleasure from. Again, our ancestors used to seek out foods that were naturally high in fat and sugar. Um, Food naturally high in sugar is something like honey. It's a perfect nature's nature's treat. Now, what that food is doing is releasing all those feel-good chemicals in the brain and giving you that high you're looking for. But in the modern-day environment, unfortunately, we're getting that high that we're looking for from foods that contain processed or foods that are processed and that contain added sugars and added fats. But it it means that we're retraining our brain so that they're not part of the everyday occurrence. So you're still getting the high you're looking for and importantly, not cutting out any favorite foods, but you're reducing them to a frequency which is, you know, healthy 
um, for your waistline rather than detrimental. So you're talking about honey and are you talking about fruits? Yeah, but- fruits are, are perfect nature's treats. But when we come to the, the sources of fats, I'm talking about nuts and seeds and your, your olive oils and your avocado. These are great sources of, of nature's treats that are high in fat. You subscribe, you've just talked about it before, uh, to the breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dine like a pauper theory, uh, basically. Mm. I, think, I think we've all heard of it. What about, and you also mentioned these in passing, what about the diets that have you fasting between, say, 8 o'clock at night and 12 noon the next day, or Rishi Sunak's, the UK Prime Minister's 36-hour abstention, nothing between Sunday night and Tuesday morning. What do you think of those diets where you simply don't eat for a while? Yeah, look, this is an interesting point, and I'm glad it's something you brought up because it's something we're all following, particularly when big-name celebrities or public profiles get behind them, whether it's the one meal a day or or the the variety or derivative of intermittent fasting, where it could be the the 16-8 where you eat for certain um, hours during the day or the 5-2 where you're allowed to sort of eat ad-lib for a certain amount of days during the week and, and restrict on the other days, they're all achieving the same response. Research and, and, and controlled studies are showing, unfortunately, they're not achieving any better results than their predecessors. And what I'm talking about is you, you will get weight loss. There's no questioning that. But all diets achieve weight loss. So we've now had people in the community following um, this program for, for, for many years. And importantly, we're not interested as we talked about before, in the short-term results. We're talking about and only interested in people that have lost weight and then maintained it for several years. So that community is now growing, and you can join that community, which is which is a Facebook, um, private Facebook group where people, you know, help one another on their interval weight loss journey and share their stories. So we are not a quick fix. We may not be sexy, but we know we work. Um, and this is about forming long-term habits and preventing weight regain so if you're looking for a quick fix, you're not in the right main mind frame and you're not ready uh, for interval weight loss. And just out of interest, so you lose weight, say, two kgs for a month, and then you keep the weight stable. How do you do that? Because you've got into a habit yeah, over, look, that, over that month of losing two kgs. How do you then just keep the weight as it is? Yeah, and this is probably the biggest challenge and, and complaint that the patients and people following the program have. Everyone wants to see the number keep going down on the scales. They get excited. They want to continue with weight loss. And we're saying, hang on, you've actually got to stop losing weight. Um, So that's the biggest challenge that people have. And how do we get them to do that? Well, we get them to ease off on the exercise. We get them to have more calories and focus on more of those healthy fats, include more olive oil when you're cooking, more avocado, more nuts and seeds, more of those nature's treats. And secondly, it allows you to have more flexibility in terms of dining out and treat food. So instead of going out and working towards a goal of one week, one meal or takeaway meal a week, it allows you to have um, two or even more of those takeaway or dining out meals a week plus treats. So it's giving you a little bit more flexibility to ensure you maintain your weight and you don't continue to see weight loss during those weight maintenance months. So our community now is in, in the thousands. Um, it obviously starts in a clinic with, with randomised controlled trials, but now we are a translational program with thousands of, of, of members and, and people in the community across the globe are following interval weight loss, 
following in different varieties and forms, some through the advice in the book or books and, and others through through the online program or app. Um, it, you know, people follow and like to digest information in different different ways. Um, but, yes, we're a growing body of, of, of members and, and seeing long-term results, and this is the only thing we're interested in, long-term results, not what people are losing over the course of four, eight or 12 weeks. Nick, good to talk with you and grateful uh, that you could give us your time as well. Thanks very much, Jim, for having me on. I, I greatly appreciate it and hopefully it's been very um, helpful for your listeners. Dr Nick Fuller, 